button. Oh, yeah. Um, I'll be introducing us like, hi, my name's Adrian, I'm Alex, and today we have a special guest. Special guest, introduce yourself, and we'll kind of go from there. At the very end, we'll all sign out together. My name's Adrian, I'm Alex, and then you'll say, I'm Ryan, and then we'll sign off. Hi, and welcome to another episode of Dungeons & Degrees. My name's Adrian. And I'm Alex. And today we have a special guest. And I'm Ryan! <laughs> uh, he said, "Fuck your rules, Adrian." Yeah, yeah, couldn't you know, resist. Sorry, us out. No, you're good. You're good. <laughs> and today we have Ryan, as you've heard. <laughs> but yeah, Ryan, introduce yourself. Ah, uh, yeah, I'm Ryan. Also, you might know me as Run DMG on things like TikTok or Instagram or Twitter. I make uh, Dungeons and Dragons and tabletop RPG memes. I occasionally do some like advice things, uh, but mostly I just shit post. That's that's kind of my brand. Yeah, it, it's quite amazing how often you know you post because like there's the friends page and then there's the for you page. Your stuff comes up all the time. Before I was following you, while I'm following you, there's so much content to be had. <laughs> how do you get to make so much of this content? Yeah, it's. So it, it it's funny because like recently I've had a lot less luck getting on the for you page. I, I made TikTok angry somehow or mm-hmm. another, um, and they have this like weird thing that they do where you're only seen by people following you, and mostly if they're going on like the following page. Mm-hmm. But yeah, I don't know. I like it started out as like kind of more like serious Dungeons and Dragons content. Like I have a bunch of like old school books. So what I would do like the first couple of things I ever made was. I would do like, hey, here's what the monster started out as in like Advanced Dungeons and Dragons. And here's where it's at now. This is the changes. And those got like some views. And then I saw one clip from, what was it? Uh, Suicide Squad 2 where like peacemakers, like I don't care how many, like I, you know, I pursue peace no matter what. I don't care how many like women and children I have to kill to get it. (laughs) And I was like, oh, that's a great like conquest paladin meme. And I made that into a meme. Like I added little labels and then I put, I made that into like a 2D meme. And I was like, oh, I could just also grab the video and add like little tags on it. And I posted that on TikTok. And then for some reason that got like 300,000 views compared to everything else where I got was like 150 views. So I was like, oh, this is what I'm just going to do. Like I kind of do this shit anyway. I don't know if I can cuss. I'm sorry. Uh, Yes, Uh, you're good. I was like, I do this stuff all the time. Like I make little dumb memes and send them off to my groups or like, I just make dumb memes and post them on Reddit. Like I'll just do this. And it's so much more easy than like creating original content, (laughs) like actually going back and like taking pictures of like old school books Mm -hmm. and formatting them and then like doing my own animations and stuff so that there's like kind of like seamless transitions and adding all these funny things in. I'll just like make a meme and be creative about uh, how I label things and like how I like write up a little prompt. So it, it wasn't always easy to get like the amount that I do. Like when I first did the that first one, I was like, I got to do another one tomorrow. Like I got to keep I got to keep this thing rolling. And I had a lot of difficulty. I couldn't get one out for another couple of days. And then for the first couple of months that I did it, it would take me like days to find clips. But now it's like everywhere I look like once you get into like that zone of like, oh, everything is d like everybody a is a class or like. <laughs> everything's a clip like you can really like as long as it's a funny clip you just gotta like find the right angle for it for the most Mm -hmm. part 
And I mean, once you've done it, like it's, it's crazy to say I've been doing it for almost like a year and a half to two years, but now I guess I'm like a pro at it. <laughs> just <laughs> nice. like inserting Dungeons and Dragons into every scenario. Yeah. Is it all the time? Are you just on the top all the time, like memeing in your head? A little bit. It's 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 dumb. It's gotten to the point where like I'll be watching a movie. I, w- there was a point where I had like a little notes app on my phone. I'd be watching a movie. I'd whip out the notes app and be like, "All right, like Forrest Gump, twenty five minutes in, <laughs> or whatever." Uh, I I do I don't do that quite so much anymore. I just kind of just keep things in my brain a little bit more, I guess, at this point. But it is ridiculous. Like, oh, like I will be watching a movie or a TV show. It's like, you know what? This would be a great meme right now. I'm gonna. I'm gonna commit this to memory oh with all this content that you come out how do you feel like there's a pressure to keep it up at the same amount because i mean i feel like that's how tiktok oh, yeah. has been like will punish you like you miss one day you're dead to me tiktok is so up and down and like hot and cold like there fe- there seems to be like there is a lot of intense pressure like once i started getting because there was like it was it was kind of weird in the beginning trying to figure things out. And, you know, some of them were really high. Some of them were going where. But there's been like stretches of a couple of months where like everything I put out will get like at least 100,000 views. And then you're like, oh, I should post something else. Because like every 100,000 views you get, you get so many followers, you get so many comments. You feel like there is that serotonin that like drips. It's like I should do more. And that's how you start like posting three times a day and then like your entire day becomes about like finding content and then you're more stressed out like i gotta keep up this tempo i'm getting so many followers so that's one good thing about what's happened recently about like my videos are maybe getting a thousand views right now so it's like there's very little pressure (laughs) to like post repeatedly (laughs) i was like i'll do one today and it may be a be a re like a repost from like six months ago nobody's gonna notice Hell yeah, keep them coming. It doesn't matter. I feel like that's that like that feeling of like I worked so hard on these original ideas, and then all of a sudden this thing that I like kind of threw to the wind just gets track picked up because that's how I felt with my like my only viral one. I got like a hundred thousand views, and it was like I had messed up and I had deleted. I accidentally deleted everything. I'm like, I'll fucking fix it real quick. I'm not gonna put so much detail. And then they ate it up. I'm like, what the fuck. What the fuck? I didn't care about that one. How did that be the one yeah. that actually kicked it up into gear? It's wild. Like, I was... It, it is wild like that, because sometimes, you know, mm-hmm. n- for no reason at all, things will seem to take off. Or, and, like, it's not... You don't think it's your best content. There's been a, a couple of times where, like, this... This is gold. Like, what I'm making, like, every time... Like, I'm having a hard time, like, stifling my laughter while I'm editing it. <laughs> this stuff is gonna go crazy or wild or whatever and i'm gonna you know, be this one's gonna do numbers and then you post it and then like it gets it gets like a hundred views and you're like what the hell like there was one i i did this edit of the um it's like the kink movie what is it the gray uh not gray's anatomy what is uh, 50 shades 50 of gray shades, yeah. <laughs> so i did 50 shades of dungeon master so like i edited out a bunch of stuff and like added character sheets like when he pulls like the mask out from like a, a dra- drawer in the in the promo like i changed it to a character sheet and like animated everything and made it look halfway okay and i added all this other stuff into it i've posted that i think twice since i made it and it's never gotten more than like a couple hundred like maybe a thousand or two thousand views and like mm-hmm. i i die every time i see it and i love it so much <laughs> but everybody seems to hate it <laughs> i did something similar too with love actually mm-hmm. so there's that scene at the um 
And this one took a lot of time because it did a lot of actual visual editing. But there's that scene where he like takes out the postcards and is telling this woman that's already married that he like loves her. So I just like, oh, instead of, you know, I made it about your GM. It's something you send to your GM for the holidays being like, hopefully by next year, I'll be like DM'd by like Matt Mercer or like all these other people from like Dimension 20. But, you know, for right now, you're the perfect GM to me. I thought it was like adorable. I thought this would be like, this is gold. Everybody hated it. I had one person say, I would never send this to my dungeon master. Like, I'm not a weirdo. And I'm like, oh, I thought this is so nice. <laughs> I was like, that took this took legitimately like five days to get right. <laughs> like, what's going on? Uh, yeah, I am that bad. one person, though. I am that one person where all of those things intersected, and I'm like, yeah, I could, I could relate to all of this content. Uh, maybe not so much the Fifty Shades, but like, I could appreciate the Fifty Shades because <laughs> I know what that whatever I read yeah. it for for not for me, but like for for understanding the memes. <laughs> such a buzzkill because like you'll put all this hard work and effort into like something solid and then just something throwaway that you did in like five seconds of boredom gets all the attention <laughs> why do you love me at my this and not at my this <laughs> yeah if you can't yeah. have me at my five hours of editing you can't have me at my three seconds of tomfoolery exactly <laughs> there we that's go that's exactly what it feels like I also want to talk about um, your collection. What is something like you have a lot of hardback books? I, I think you showed it in one of your videos. I do. Hold I can on, show, hold on, I can Adrian, move the hold camera. On, hold on. What, what did I, did I misword something? You have to go backwards. <laughs> we don't. We, your collection. I was like, what the fuck collection are we about collection. to talk about? We were just talking about Fifty <laughs> Shades, and I want to know about your collection. <laughs> I have the most copies of Fifty Shades of Grey anywhere on the East or West Coast. So, no, okay, it's so talking I... about his his TTRPG collection, Dungeons and Dragons stuff. Yeah, just it's it's a weird it. uh, okay okay <laughs> it's a weird obsession. It um it started because you know I've played I've been playing Five E for almost like a decade now. So and I've been DMing for almost as long as I've been playing. So I started to grab those books pretty quickly and like started to collect them. They became really easy birthday and Christmas gifts for friends and family. And then I've always like wanted, cause I used to, I actually, when I first started playing, I either played BX or advanced dungeon dragons. I can't remember the exact thing. I was like eight. I was, well, I was like six at the time, the first time I played. Um, so I've always had like this idea is like, it'd be cool to have a couple of these older books. And I remember going to this used bookstore in Richmond, Virginia called second and Charles. And I was like, Oh, you know, I'm just going to like look around and like, there's a couple novels that I wanted, but like, Hey, they have like board games. Like whenever the board games. And then I saw like underneath the board games, they had a bunch of like Dungeons and Dragons. I was like, Oh, I wonder if there's any books that I don't have that are used. And then like, I take a step to the right and I see just this massive collection of advanced Dungeons and Dragons, like box sets. And they're all marked off ridiculously cheap. Like I was able to get a Spelljammer box set for like $10. I was able to get a Greyhawk original box set for like 15, which those go for like $150 on eBay. (laughs) So like I grabbed all these things. I filled up a cart and before I knew it, like even, even like severely reduced, I had like $700 worth of stuff in the cart. And my wife was like, "Uh, what are you plant? What are you doing, buddy? Like, (laughs) 
we can afford this. It's not like it. This won't like destroy our ink, like our livelihood. Mm-hmm. But like one, where are you going to put these? Like, what's the plan? You don't play old school Dungeons and Dragons. <laughs> and I was like, oh no, I've got. So what ended up happening is I used to. I was like, oh, I'll just like sell some of these to pay for it. And I ended up doing that, and then I started like this eBay business, and I actually worked out to be pretty well. Like I started going to all these used bookstores and buying and selling to kind of support the hobby. But I kept on keeping a couple, so I kept on getting more and more and more. And now I don't sell at all. I just like collect and now it's massive i have this huge collection of books and it's just getting more and more and i keep on buying things because i want things so like i've bought a i mean all the presents that i basically got for christmas this year were various like tabletop rpgs i like i got cyborg i got some Morkborg stuff i got the cypher system i got the fallout um modifius mm-hmm. tabletop rpg i got twilight 2000 which is like a red dawn world war three type of I can't remember. It's like, you know, Soviet Union still around. So it's very much, you know, the end of the world, but you're trying to like kind of eke out an existence. Mm-hmm. That's from like free league. I just got, and it just keeps on getting more. There's more. And that's not even the uh, like digital stuff that I own. I own so much digital books too. It's so easy. It's just like, Oh, is there yeah. a humble bundle? I gotta get it. <laughs> yeah. There was like a wrath and glory, uh, Warhammer 40 K, the new tabletop RPG they put out humble bundle. And you could get, basically all the stuff they've made for like $18. I was like, I would be dumb not to get this. <laughs> I'm practically <laughs> losing money if I don't do this right yeah. now. I keep on, it's like it's my mom at Kohl's. <laughs> hey, hey, as the representative from the mom from Kohl's area, it's a good deal. It is a good deal. It is a really good deal. There's a free league bundle right now that I couldn't resist either. I think you get Vassin and Forbidden Lands, and that's only $18. I was like, I can't these things are kind of expensive. Like I should grab these. <laughs> yeah, I'm bad with it. All right. What is something that you have on your shelf that you've been dying to play right now? Oh, that's a great question. Um, so fun fact, I have like the original box set for tunnels and trolls, which is like the first dungeons of dragons knockoff. I deeply want to play that game just because like, <laughs> It's like I don't know I don't know what about it makes me want to play it play it so badly like nobody plays Tunnels and Trolls anymore. <laughs> uh people barely play Tunnels and Trolls in the 80s. Uh but just the idea that I have it and it's like a complete box set. Mm-hmm. Uh I really want to play that. I like the Twilight 2000 was a box set that I got. It's a free league box set. Um like the starter kit. I want to play that one cuz it's like a really cool system that's very different from a lot of the other ones I've seen and like Free League makes a lot of really fun and cool stuff. I just got Cyborg. I played Morkborg before, but I just got Cyborg just like last week. And that one is also intensely cool. I definitely want to play Cyborg. Those are probably like the top like three-ish right now. I mean, Tunnels and Trolls is more for the lulls, yeah. but the other two are for like, more serious for wanting of play. I've been feeling, getting that itch ever since like the OGL stuff kind of leaked and the what may be and also the silence of them not saying, yeah, that's not that, you know, it's just kind of sucks. So like I've been looking to other systems and other people and uh, kind of trying to get a better idea of like what to play. I mean, there's bigger talk for that. So it's easy to find something if, yeah. we're lo- if you're looking for it. <laughs> No, oh, yeah, there's a, I, I mean, it couldn't, I mean, it's, I don't think there's ever a good time for something like that's happening with the OGL, but mm-hmm. if, if they are going to take that route, at least now there is a ton of different systems, a ton, of, and not even just like, Hey, like this is my like homebrew things. Like there's a lot of like really 
pretty high quality studios out there making really cool systems that are doing different things. And I mean, it could have been worse if this happened in the nineties, there really would just be like, you could do call of Cthulhu, some of the other chaosium products. Um, I guess GURPS GURPS is always in the background. <laughs> Like you always have options, right. but now there, I think it's honestly a, a big renaissance is happening right now of these, oh, uh, yeah. these new products. I think that's, I mean, it's amazing that like one, there's a couple studios that are like, all right, we, within 24 hours, we have an idea of what we're going to do now. Like they're like, I know we've been like using the open game license to do all our products, but if not, we are already ready. I mean, we're forget they're like, what game designers they have to be ready for this kind of stuff like you know all possibilities at all times kind of thing so i'm, I'm just glad to see like matt coville and kobold press those people are already starting like hey we've got an alternative don't even worry about it kind of thing so i'm super excited to see what's to come it's exciting i mean so this isn't the first time that mm-hmm. something like this happened so when they made the transition from third to fourth edition so the uh the ogl 1.0a was a thing that's or at least some version of it has been around since the early aughts they switched i think fourth edition in 2008 and like everybody knows paizo kind of did their split and started doing pathfinder and that was based off the ogl but one of the reasons that fourth edition failed was because it had a really restrictive gaming license i can't remember the exact acronym for it but it wasn't ogl it had its very specific even to the point where if you were removed from the license you would have to burn your unused stock like you had to destroy it and what ended up happening is people didn't want to buy onto that system they didn't want to have be restricted they didn't want to let wizards have power over their creative process so there wasn't a whole lot. There was very little third-party published content for fourth edition, which led to really lackluster community engagement, which led to its inevitable failure. Like this has happened. That's the thing that like this exact thing has happened before. And it's wild that they haven't taken that lesson. I mean, this, and even back then it was even less because there wasn't that many like mom and pop shops that were doing right. third-party content either. It was like big publishing houses. You had some smaller ones and, you know, people doing homebrew, but there wasn't online marketplaces. There wasn't Kickstarter. So there's even more content now for fifth edition than there ever was for third edition or like even Pathfinder. Mm-hmm. And it's wild that they're just like, look at that and be like, okay, well, let's get rid of all of that. <laughs> or, or put it or make it so that everybody feels like really icky about the whole transaction. We get to own everything, which is kind of, I don't get I mean, I understand for like the DMs Guild, it has a very similar kind of thing. You pay, you it's a 50-50 split. They own the rights to anything you make that you put on DMs Guild. But on the transactional side of it, you get access to their actual IP. So you can make things in Forgotten Realms. You can use actual known things. You can use the word Mind Flayer, which is they have, you know, copyright on. You can use um, Beholder, which they have a copyright. You have access to all of their IP and systems and stuff like that. So at least... In that trade, you know everything up front and you get access to their IP. And this, you don't get... I honestly think what happened was they explained this to somebody that they hired up like a CEO or a CEO mm-hmm. or something like that. It was like, oh, so for the DMs Guild, we give... It's a 50 split and they get the IP and the mechanics. Well, we're just giving them the mechanics. We should just do half, like 25%. That seems reasonable, right? <laughs> and it's honestly really not. It's... Uh, oh, it's called. It just feels like it's taken away some like like people's lively some people's live views i know there's like a cap at 750 for like some of this other stuff but like i still think that it still kind of encroaches on other people that are trying to make it in the space and it's just like what why 
I know. I saw that the, they're like, it's not lucrative enough. I'm like, okay, cool. I mean, the main thing about Dungeons and Dragons is like, oh, one person has to own the player's handbook, and then the Dungeons Masters maybe. But like the player handbook, that's it, and you can play for like five or six people. And now it's just like, oh, and now we're gonna try and make sure this is as transactionable as possible instead of it being like this very easy one person needs it to play kind of thing. I mean, there was, I don't know if you guys have been keeping up with this as much as I have, but a few weeks ago, they, uh, Hasbro CEO and the Wizard of the Coast CEO was doing a presentation for a bunch of investors. I think it was like BlackRock, something mm-hmm. like that. Some big investment company, and they were trying to get investors to come on. And the CEO of Wizard of the Coast was talking about how under-monetized uh, the brand is. In some of, of the entirety of their player base, only about 20% are like considered to be called DMs is what she said. It's like GMs or DMs Mm -hmm. or like the the dungeon master. And those, that 20% is by far the largest group of paying customers. So she was like, there's 80% that just don't pay into the system at all that consider themselves players. And they were just basically like, our goal is to try and find a way to move those people into being pay or into paying for the, uh, into the system. Mm -hmm. So I think, the OGL is really like the first step of like monetizing right. the community. I feel like, especially with things like one D and D it is one D and D D and D beyond. It is definitely going to start getting more expensive to be a player also, which is going to suck right. all the way around. Everyone's like leeching off campaigns yeah. and stuff like, Oh, I got all the books because I'm in this campaign <laughs> and now it's going to be a tougher probably. Even look at something like Netflix, like Netflix is cracking down yeah. on people sharing accounts. And one of the reasons that you have D&D Beyond is that you can share the thousands of dollars worth of books that you've bought on D&D mm-hmm. Beyond. And you, they still charge you $7 for that. And I can only imagine that they're looking at that with a lot of disdain right now. It's like, wouldn't it be so much easier if we just charge people like $20 a month instead? And then you could have access to the books and they just keep on charging you money for it. I can imagine that they're probably going to start changing the um, uh, subscription tiers mm-hmm. to more of a uh, like a Netflix type model. You'll get certain if you pay a certain amount each month, you'll get access to those books. Right. And they'll actually just stop selling the books altogether, I feel like, through that service. Yeesh. It's going to be tough, but I think there's there's kind of there's always that silver lining of like. I feel like there's going to we're going to there's going to be a, a change in how we go about this that, you know, That'll reflect the player base more than the company's um, intentions. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I'm here for it. The for the new the new games that to come because of it. Because uh, I mean, if this is, I mean, there's been like fuck ups on a uh, wizard sides f- for a while, and it's just like, why are we yes. doing this? Why are we doing this? Because it's easy. Because it's fun. Because everyone knows it. And now it's just like harder and harder to say. I'll give it another chance. <laughs> yeah, they keep on messing up. The Spelljammer, the whole Spelljammer debacle, mm-hmm. I think is a really good example of something that could have very easily been prevented. Like when you think of how much money they made during the, um, over COVID, yeah. they made more money than they ever did. More people try, were playing Dungeons and Dragons and doing it online. They were buying books. Whole new people were being reached out to in that format. And they couldn't afford to pay for some like a, a single sensitivity reader in the entire project for a, like a a million dollar enterprise. Like that just makes no sense. It's completely it's mind boggling to a certain extent. I also think talking about 
how to make your company more profitable, they have shot themselves in their own foot. Like they have now done this because you're going to get creatives being more creative and then taking gaming into their own hands and taking money away from Wizards of the Coast. So people who have developed these skills after, you know, years of writing things for Dungeons and Dragons are, are probably going to be a little more adventurous in trying new systems or writing for new systems or just completely creating new systems. So, I mean, I D&D agree. still may be a gateway drug for most of them, most of the new players, but it was a gateway drug for all of us too. Yeah. And it's funny too, because I think there is a little bit of a myth that like Dungeons and Dragons is the easiest one to get into. Like mechanically, it's the easiest. Like it's got all the the different uh, systems and like online tools but I think that's changing too. Like a lot of people have started to wake up to that. A lot of companies have started to wake up to that and like, hey, we need to invest in digital tool sets. So they're not even going to have that for much longer. And when you look at a system like Morkborg, it takes 10 minutes to learn Morkborg. And the a lot of the adventures are like kind of this old school Renaissance format where they're pretty sparing. You're supposed to kind of like come up with ideas on your own. There's a there is a marketplace there for well flushed out, like complete stories like you find in 5e. So they could very easily take their products and move mm-hmm. them to something like Morkborg or any number of like kind of these smaller products, um, especially because people are now looking for them. A lot of people might be intimidated by, you know, some of these Morkborg adventures where, you know, there's they can fit on a page. Like I've got adventures that are like posters, like they just it's you're moving from one hex to another and there's maybe like five lines of description and for 5e modules like some adventures some adventures that you get are like 120 pages and they're just full of of incredible detail and i don't think there is a lot of that for morkborg right now but i could see that becoming a thing in this kind of new groundswell of people looking for another for new avenues i feel like i've like if you can connect that your story to the system I mean, you already have the outline of what's to be expected. It shouldn't be that hard once you've figured out how the mechanics work. Like, you see this person, his stats yeah. are now this, um, and now we have to change it to a different thing. I mean, if you're the creator, you have the idea of, like, what it's supposed to be anyway. So as soon as you learn the system, you've made your your story into this whole other IP. <laughs> like, uh, you can transfer those skills, essentially. I think it's the biggest scare for the OGL thing is because, you know, the mechanics are pretty easy. You can switch around mechanics, but the thing that like the really insidious thing that Wizards of the Coast is doing is that they basically own the IP of your product. Right. So say you do have like a really cool setting idea and, you know, it starts out as a fifth edition thing. Like you make Galarian 2.0 or you make your own version of Ravenloft or something like that. And it's unique and different and fun. And you're like, oh, you know what? I don't want to do this for 5e anymore. I would like to do this for another setting. I like to do this for mm-hmm. Savage Worlds, or I'd like to do this for, I don't know, any any number of different settings, uh, you know, free league product. And then I think the real kicker is going to be in the new OGL, like Wizards could come back and be like, no, you can't. We own Galarian 2.0. You can't take that anywhere else. Right. It goes back, right? It's not just the things that you made now. It's the things that you have made in the past, right? So it's. It, I don't know if it, it's retroactive because there is something called like a rug. There is in law, I've heard, just because everybody's talking about the law, there is like a rug <laughs> pull type of 
thing where you can't just like hey you know let somebody use something for 10 years and then like take like as a non-exclusive license and then Mm -hmm. change it to an exclusive license without letting them an opportunity to pull out but there is a lot of talk right now about whether or not like the ogl is a nice thing to have in existence it it clears things up legally but it is very actually unclear if you can license like if it it's unclear if wizard of the coast actually has a case to pursue people for using game mechanics because mm-hmm. game mechanics it is very gray on if game mechanics can be a like an ip thing whether or not those can be licensable or protected in any way especially when it comes to like game mechanics and like things like um board games and stuff like that um so there is like this worry that you're basically transferring an it's basically just a safety blanket. Right. There is no like real legal discourse they can take potentially like new raw, new laws are written all the time. <laughs> you're exchanging a false safety for access to your original works, which wasn't the case before. So I think that's the real insidious thing about the OGL is that it's not even a lot of people are saying it's not even completely necessary to make this content, but they're going to sell you this false bill of goods so they can have access to your original ideas, the things that you can actually like have protection over, which is which is kind of bonkers. Capitalism always the villain, yeah. <laughs> always, always. It's true. Yeah, no, it, it truly is. <laughs> um, I think. I mean, that's those are most of my thoughts of like you know OGL bad, but things will change if things we can we can move past it if things go through in the way that we see it so far but yeah that's all i have because as a creator i only make so much but it's it's still something so i still got to be worried about it (laughs) yeah you always got to be worried that's the thing that i think is the worst part because it it, you know the money aspect like i don't think it's necessarily unfair for there to be some form of like licensing fee i don't think that's like out of pocket i do think like 25 percent is massive and out of pocket but the idea that just by making basically signing on to make content basically for any amount of money even if you don't make any money at all you're signing over the license to your ideas yeah. and it just it just feels that's like the scummiest part for me that that is the most like kind of cyberpunk megacorp thing they could have done <laughs> It's like, hey, would you like an? Because it's not even like a lot of people make content for Five being posted on DMs Guild and stuff, and then they never make any money. It might sell one, two, three copies, but now Wizards of the Coast owns it and can use it however they like. And hey, you know, this is actually like in this in this thing that you made. There is a really cool plot point or a system. We can take that. We don't even have to tell you about it and we can make it our own. And then bam, we have this really cool product that, that we can then in turn sell to other people. Just, I just don't get it. Like it's just very scummy. Do y'all feel like there's a difference between somebody like wizards of the coast doing that versus TikTok doing that? Eh, they're both big corpse. <laughs> I mean, That's a good question. I, I feel like wizards, and TikTok, I mean, they're both, like, I mean, they're, 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 they're in different places, you know? One's based in Seattle, the other one's based in, like, what, BitDance or whatever in China. Like, they, they, they have mm-hmm. that idea of, like, uh, we own this product because you, you, this XYZ. I feel like there is bad things for TikTok where, like, monetization is shit or non-existent to most people. Um, and then for, yeah. like, Wizards, yeah, we, we were let to believe, like, ah, oh, people could make you know, some sort of, like, 
cash coming back, and then all of a sudden it's like, okay, we got to reduce that. I feel like similarly Twitch has done that as well. So it's like all these corporations, like, we still need to feed the the rich people at top still. I don't know. It it just feels scummy all around that people are, like, starting to make these livings... And then all of a sudden, the terms have changed, and it sucks. Because, like, well, I mean, what do we kid do? We, we're just the, the people at the bottom trying to make something out of it. <laughs> exactly. No, I agree. I think, yeah, it's it's bad all around, but I think the rug pull aspect of it all from Wizards of the Coast, like, makes it sting a little bit more. Because mm-hmm. they always, use, like, I think, I think the lie, because I can't remember the exact, but there's, like, a term for it where, it's kind of this like abusive use of like community and family. Like you'll see it a lot, like when managers be like, Oh, but we're a family here. That's why I get to work you to the bone. And I think Dungeons and Dragons, they've kind of like really embraced that kind of aspect where it's like, Oh, we're a community. We love each other. We're all for the, we're all for just Dungeons and Dragons. Like we love, everything is about love community. Da, 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 da. And then the first opportunity that they get to kind of like square off from that and like do some really scummy moves they are going to take it. And I, I think there's a lot of influencers that do the same thing that are like, Oh, you know, I love this community. Dungeons and Dragons is more than just a game. It's a, it's a, like a lifestyle. Like we're all friends. And then the second that like something in the community or one of their friends says something racist, or they're a part of a project that has really problematic. Then all of a sudden it's like, well, that's not how this works. Like, you know, we're not, you know, we're a community, but like, but in a way that I'm always on top <laughs> and that you guys are always coming to me and giving me money. And I think Wizard of the Coast does the same thing. Mm-hmm. I think, I mean, that's all my opinions on the OGL and all that shitty stuff. Uh, I want to get back to you, Ryan. Uh, how many games are you in currently? Oh, wow. So there's, there's, I'm in a few games and maybe too many games if you ask my wife, but I've got um, two by, so I'm, I've still got some D&D 5e games that I'm trying to work my way through and, you know, choose a different system, but I GM two two games. They're like every other week. They're every other Tuesday. So I, my Tuesday is always full. I play in a Ravenloft game on Wednesdays. Uh, I am in a Vampire the Masquerade game, um, which is a lot of fun. We're playing like Revised, which is like the '90s version. Uh-huh. So it's like very much like Blade esque, nice, where everything nice, is nice. like leather trench coats and raves and stuff. It's it's glorious. <laughs> so I'm in that. Uh, there is like a long standing so Free League Publishing put out an alien tabletop RPG like Alien and Predator mm-hmm. Alien. Um, and we, we're on a long hiatus, but we're about four. I think the, the, the game master said that we're like four fifths of the way through uh, the Destroyer of Worlds like campaign. It's, it's really cool. It's like honestly one of the most well done tabletop RPGs I've played. Very thematic. And the Foundry module for it is like the coolest thing i've ever seen if i'm usually playing on roll 20 and foundry is like five levels ahead of, of roll 20 and like everything about it, like every they went through and like i think you have to buy it, it's like 20 bucks but they went through and like everything is customized for alien like it all has the look of like wayland yutani like hardware from the 80s it's beautiful so that one's a really fun game uh, and that's that's run by the same person that does my Vampire the Masquerade game. Occasionally, I'll also play some Paranoia with him. So there's like a on and off again Paranoia thing. I'm also in a Pathfinder 2E podcast with the Four Corners people, the Four Corners podcast. And then, do I have any other games going? I do a, oh yeah, I have another one, I guess. I have a Patreon game where I, for my podcast, I guess what, my podcast, I play 5E for podcast right now. And then we have a Patreon game where I play Quest. I am the dungeon master that does a quest RPG, which is a great rules light system. 
Um, and then, you know, just a smattering of like one shots and stuff like that throughout there. But I think those are my main ones. Only those. I believe. <laughs> That's pretty good. <laughs> it's probably a little too much. A little <laughs> too much for it, man. Uh, I'm lucky if I get my two games a week. Uh, Want to play more games? So for your Patreon stuff, is this like, do they get to choose you, like, or like a certain tier you get to play with Ryan, or is it just like people you met on Patreon? It's like a bonus. It's it's like a bonus campaign. Mm-hmm. So the the same cast of people that are on. So I'm in the Dice Populi podcast where we like the whole gimmick is that we shift dungeon masters mm-hmm. every arc, um, and then it's supposed to be like a cohesive story. And that's and like I don't know. Some while ago, people were asking if we could have a Patreon for some reason. I don't know why. It's just more work. Yeah, <laughs> not that much more more money. So we made the Patreon, and I was like, I don't want to do a ton of work. So let's do like a rules light system. We'll use the Eberron setting because I mm-hmm. love Eberron as a setting and it's um, I know a lot about it and I already have some like pre-made adventures that I've done. Um, so that was like the least work possible. And yeah, that's how it got started. It's like something we drop like once once or twice a month, depending on like what's going on. Just like a little bonus content. Like our subscription tier is very low. It's like if you pay us two dollars, you can get access to some like bonus content and some behind the scenes stuff. Yeah, it's a lot of fun. I mean, we've we've toyed with the idea of like doing like community plays, and I've done a few games where I've played like community like one shots, uh, usually like available to patrons. But it's like one of those things I get so busy and I get so much tunnel vision, especially when it comes to things like, oh, I've got to like make today is the day where I need to make like 20 TikToks or like <laughs> I got a bunch of social media stuff I got to right. do. Or maybe I got to show to, I got to shoot a promo for a Kickstarter. Like I can't necessarily stop and, <laughs> and like play a game. That is like the biggest competitor, I think, for my time right now. Like and it, it sometimes gets in the way of like playing games is like TikToking and making videos about <laughs> tabletop RPGs. <laughs> And you have, like, a, a job on top of all of this, too. <laughs> yes. That makes it difficult. Luckily, I work from home. So I'm an engineer. I work from home. So at least I don't have, like, a commute to worry about mm-hmm. to, like, take up my time. Um, so I'm able to bank a little time that way. And, you know, I can use my lunch break really easy. Like, oh, my computer's right next to my my, my play and tiktok computers right next to my work computer so you know if i if i want to take a 15 minute break you know after completing something it's very easy so that in that aspect it's made it doable because i don't think it'd be doable if i was like in an office for eight hours a day there's so many times when i was in that office like i can make a tiktok right now but then everyone's gonna know that this wall right behind me i was doing tiktoks on company time Uh, I'm worried about that. If if I ever do go back to the office, that is like a worry. Mm-hmm. Um, how am I going to fit everything in? Or if I'm going to be that guy that makes TikToks at lunch? <laughs> going to be that guy in the office? That's, that's great. Yeah. What got you started into like the TTRPG space? So when I the first time I played... So there's some neighborhood kids when I was like six that were playing either BX or AD&D. I was too young to remember the exact rules. And I was given like basically like a pet sheet. I didn't have like a complete character sheet. <laughs> so I was like this. I was a halfling. It was either halfling rogue or bard. I guess it depends on like what edition they were using and like what extra rules they had. Right. But I remember that. Like I remember like dancing in the street for coin and like playing on a lute. I remember like stabbing something with like I think it was an orc with like I had knives that were like what was it uh 
a giant snake fangs because I was like a halfling. I was like e bitty. Um, so the, the sizes worked out. I remember playing that and then my parents found out. And I guess they had taken a note from the satanic panic of the 80s and they thought it was straight up devil worship. So they're like, we will not have this under our house. They forbid my older brother from playing, who's like 13 at the time. And of course, they forbid me. Um, and my, I think my brother continued to play, but he just didn't tell me. I was probably the one that said <laughs> something about it in front of my parents. Like I was six. Yeah, like yeah. You can only trust me so much. You're having fun. Um, you got to tell and, them about the fun. <laughs> yeah. And uh, so I didn't play again. Uh, there was like a sh- very short lived Pathfinder campaign that basically didn't get off the ground in college that I got really excited over. And then it didn't really pop up again until I graduated college. I had a friend that was working on a different campus than like the main campus. I went to GW in DC. Um, so there was like an, uh, there's a satellite campus in Virginia and there was a uh, hobby store called Huzzah Hobbies. And he was getting into Magic the Gathering and he was going over there to play Magic and like buy Magic cards. And then he saw people every Wednesday were doing Adventures League. And all you had to do is basically show up with a character sheet and you could, somebody would be there to play a game with you. And he's like, I don't know if I want to go by myself. Would you mind like coming with me just in case, like, you know, just so I have some like, you know, a friend there and it's not just a bunch of strangers. So I ended up going with him. And then like, I thought like I was on the fence. I don't want to do it, but it's like, Hey, we're friends. Like what are friends for? Of course I'll come with you. And then I started like, we started making character sheets. We started like working through how it works. And then like, as we were playing something like clicked in my head and I was like, Oh, this is like the most fun I've ever had. (laughs) Like, this is great. This is better than video games. This is better than like movies. And I like, I made like a very milk toast easy character. It was like a champion fighter. It wasn't human. It was like dragonborn. And I remember like two sessions later, I come back with an extremely like a much more complicated like dwarven druid with like a, with, like a very specific way of uh, speaking and like a very specific temperament. So I was like getting really into it. And then um, I moved like that was going on for a while. But then there was these like buses that were going between campuses and they changed the bus schedule, which made it impossible for me to get there after work. So I was, and then for like months, I like languished in, <laughs> and um, was unable to play. So I started listening to Critical Role. And then I convinced myself that I could GM in the first game that I GM. There was like eight players my then girlfriend now wife was in it and i was like trying to run a table of people that never played before me barely ever having played before it was a huge mess but it was a great learning experience and then i just kept on gming and dming and playing and i met up with some new people started playing pathfinder and then not too long ago i started playing other systems like i got into podcasting partially one of the reasons that they i got got into podcasting is i wanted a a real play and then through that real play i met other people and started playing all sorts of different editions and then i just kind of exploded from there i started collecting more books and i mean it's this maybe over the course of like 10 years so it's not like that it's not that quick but it feels very quick that's it's both long and short at the same time (laughs) yeah yeah (laughs) yeah i'm getting old (laughs) you're good (laughs) This is a safe podcast for that. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> we're usually most of the time we're the oldest in the room um, because everyone's like in I'm our age range. Who is we? You and me. Don't you? Who is we? Think you're like that much older than me. <laughs> Who's? I don't know this we. Wait, what, what's everybody's age? I'm thirty. What, what's y'all's age? Twenty-eight. Adrian. Oh, okay. So I'm, I'm older. I'm the eldest. Thirty-three. I'm the elder. Oh, still young. See, I'd have been more like I like I thought you were way younger. I was gonna look like maybe you're like 25. So I don't know. Blue hair. You pull it off well. (laughs) 
I had somebody think I was in high school for a second. I, I don't remember where I was, so I don't have a good story beyond, like, somebody legitimately was like, aren't you in high school? Bitch! No! <laughs> that feels like a getting carded scenario, like you sit down, order a glass of wine or something at a table, and it's like, all right, high schooler, no, 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 look at my ID! <laughs> This I don't get the fake. I don't get carded for alcohol. So when I'm drinking or whenever I was drinking alcohol, I never I, I never got carded. I just looked like I guess I was drinking age and uh mm. but the out and about I get asked if I'm in high school. Hmm. Lucky lucky. Interesting. <laughs> I don't like it. At least they think you're younger. <laughs> Could be worse to be like, oh wow, are you did you escape from the home? Are you okay? <laughs> Could it could be way worse, <laughs> sweetie? Where's your adult? No, yeah. I am the adult. I am. I, I'm wearing the only. I have my leash. I'm my own leash. <laughs> oh my gosh! I remember just going to the bar and the people are still asking me for my ID. I'm like, okay, but when they like don't ask my younger but taller and more bearded brother, and they just like pass him by, I'm like, son of a bitch. <laughs> <laughs> it's one of those things it's irritating it's very irritating to get carded until you are stopped like until it stops you're like well wait i'm i'm a baby face little baby why don't you want to see my id <laughs> yeah, it's always does that mean i'm not i'm not a i'm not a youth it's the opposite effect you want every time it just doesn't feel good no matter what <laughs> exactly <laughs> putting out a podcast which I feel like, yeah, like, from what you've explained to me, there's so much on your plate. <laughs> I've been told that, yeah. My <laughs> wife has pointed that out to me several times before that I have a lot on my plate. <laughs> How do you manage that time? Is there any applications? Is there notebooking? Is there, like, what do you use to make uh, everything can stay in order? Google Calendar. I just, po- I just put everything on a calendar. It's not, like, fail-safe. I accidentally missed... A vampire the masquerade session just like yesterday the day before uh my phone i guess like if it's if it's the if it's the touchscreen down like on a table it silences it i guess it has like automated mute functionality so i didn't hear i didn't hear like the little ding when uh, it was time for the meeting or time for the for the for the call so i just continue to play a video game and missed it so like there is like occasionally mistakes mm-hmm. are made but yeah i keep everything on google calendar you know Running campaigns has been has become pretty easy for me. I'm definitely one of those people that's very low prep. You know, I have like ideas, bullet points that I'll put out and then just kind of let things go forward. Um, so it's pretty easy. And I also use pre-made, like a lot of my stuff is like pre-made adventures that I just like heavily add onto and deviate from. So worst case scenario, I can use whatever stuff Wizards thought was a good idea. And usually even on the fly, I'll change that stuff and make it more interesting. So it's, it's not terribly hard. The, the hardest part really is like knowing that you're kind of like you're you're kind of stacked when it comes to time and wanting to do more things i would love to do more things like i you know it'd be great to be like right now like being a guest on a podcast i'd love to do more of that i'd like to have more time to like test out more systems and play with different people but one of the things that i've like really come to love about some of my games it's like a great way to keep in touch with friends like i moved to texas like two years ago and one of the like the best ways I have found to keep in contact with a lot of the friends that I had back in like the D the DC area is like we're playing Dungeons and Dragons every other week, you know, or every week depending on the game. So you know, I stay in contact with them. Like I don't forget that they exist, and then you realize I haven't talked to them in six months. 
Um, so it's it's difficult to get rid of some of those things. And it's not like you can just like drop out of a podcast willy nilly and just be like, oh, no, I don't want to, you know, I've got to make time for Morkbork now. I can't do this podcast anymore. <laughs> it's cutting into my Morkbork time. <laughs> but yeah. But yeah, it's, it's, it's mostly... It mostly just comes down to a good calendar app and then, uh, I guess, ignoring other things that you might want to do in real life. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I feel that. How was... Okay, this is just because I, I, I'm i longtime Texan resident with Alex. How, how was the change? It was weird. It was interesting. Very weird. So we were in... We moved from Arlington, Virginia, kind of the basically as close as you can get to DC while still being in Virginia, mm-hmm. we were on the Metro system and everything. Uh, we actually were in the apartment across the street from where the Amazon HQ two took over. So now there's like this huge weird looking building in front of our old apartment in, you know, liberal, very liberal place. It's a liberal city, very liberal friends. I went to like a liberal college. So, <laughs> And then coming to Texas especially with the time that we came to Texas, like over COVID, like through COVID and like Trump was still president. Things were a little weird here. There, um, it wasn't too bad in our area because we live in like the suburbs of um, San Antonio. So like it wasn't as bad as it could be, but there was still like that. Whole, I can't remember if you guys remember, but there was there were those people that like got in a bunch of trucks and like tried to Ugh. run Biden's bus yeah, off the road. That. that happened like 45 minutes or to an hour away from us, like just outside San Antonio mm-hmm. city limits. Like it wasn't very far. So it is like a whole different world down here and the heat sucks. I think <laughs> yeah, the power dude. is bad. <laughs> oh my gosh. Like, I mean, you know, living in the the, the democratic, uh, as, as some people here would probably put it as the democratic hole of sin that is like <laughs> DC. Like I had, I maybe in the ten years I lived there had four power outages. <laughs> I've had I've had four power outages in a day in Texas. Yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> so that was uh, something to get used to. No taxes. Is is okay. I can I can get that. <laughs> property taxes are so much higher, so it's just it's all the same. You just pay the same, just different ways. Yeah. Right, I wanted to know the perspective you had. <laughs> oh my gosh! So y'all can play. You can play your tabletop RPGs in person. He might find me at a game shop eventually. <laughs> we'll see what it's happens. It's entirely possible. We have this opportunity in front of us. <laughs> I tried my best to get into a game shop, but like the the vibe was so different from what I experienced online because I'd been secluded for two years and I jumped to my first game shot in like I want to say like five years and it, they're just like I don't know it just felt like these kids like they knew each other so well that they were okay of like saying a bunch mm-hmm. of like it wasn't like like politically incorrect just a lot of out of pocket stuff kind of racy like like yeah. what is oh, i don't know you like that like they get, they were very close-knit i knew that but i was like i don't i don't know no, you yeah. like that yet <laughs> i need to keep going there is a game store near me that's very similar to that it's like dragons something dragons oh my gosh dragons den i think i went to that one <laughs> i don't i, I went to a couple well, what's well, a chain so yeah it's a chain but yeah i went there and i remember like it was fine but like everybody there everybody that works there's a young like high school maybe just mm-hmm. out of high school or in college age and i was like fine going there like the prices were okay and like you can go and play games in a in a public format you can like kind of reserve tables i thought that was fine i went in there one time looking for something 
And I was like in line trying to like, hey, like, do you guys have this tabletop RPG? I needed to ask a question. And like there was somebody like showing off something on their phone to like the only person at the cash register. They're like going through, I guess they were, they did some like cosplay pictures. And I, I swear to God, I was sitting there for like 10 minutes. And I was like, at a certain point, I was like, what am I doing? I'm just going to buy this online. <laughs> <laughs> I'm done here. Like, and like, obviously, I think they were, I don't think they were dating it or anything, but I could, it had that feel of like a high school, like this is a meet cute moment. And like, I didn't want to be that like old boomer that's like, <laughs> hey, me please help me customer over here <laughs> so i was like you know what i'm done i'm gonna i'm gonna see if this is available from the publisher online the social <laughs> ramifications of me interrupting this is not worth it <laughs> yeah it's like no nah, i'm good like i'm just gonna get out of here <laughs> like i'm done with this and i haven't been back like that kind of burned me <laughs> maybe nah, that nah, is nah. The, my boomer emerging <laughs> See, that's what, that's what I'm saying. It, it burnt me, too. I haven't been back to a game store since then. And when I first got back to San Antonio, I was just like... I, and I do want to go back in person because it felt so fun. But, like, finding that vibe with those people again and finding the right group, there's a lot of social currency yeah. you have to put in to, to sift through everybody else that's, like... You know, you have their problematic players. You have your people who just want to be, play Edgelords and we're like, we're playing a story-based game. You got to gotta help me out here, bud. Yeah. <laughs> it's tough. And I don't even think, I don't even think, um, I know Adventures League, I don't think it started up yet. And then there was like the Pathfinder Society. I don't think that started up either. So there's no, at least for, for the stores near mm-hmm. me, there's no community play nights. It's just like, hey... If you have a table already or a group, you can reserve a right, table, right. which is kind of a buzzkill because I really liked Adventurous League, those kind of like community nights because, you know, zero prep for you. You can just walk in and play a game and then potentially meet new people. Mm-hmm. Um, and it just hasn't panned out. And I even like that at Discord servers like, hey, you guys ever bring this back? And they're like the response from the official admin that worked there is like, oh, yeah, well, we get our crap together. <laughs> eventually we'll have one. And I was like, that's not great. <laughs> If you're if you're that willing to be like at eh, some point, I'm like this is never gonna happen. He's then. got like half a cigarette already <laughs> smoked out of his mouth, and his, and just yeah. half a beer in the other hand. He's what it is. Hey, when we get there, man, you take your time. We're taking our time. <laughs> and then my wife was like, "Oh, well, you could you could start it. You could do the adventure league stuff." And I just looked. At her, I was like, "No, thank you." <laughs> it's like, I'll partake, but you know, running it, I don't know. That seems like a lot of yeah. work. No, for um, real, for real. I like that this is the same person that was trying to like take stuff off of your plate who's like, here's another thing you could add on to your plate. What, no, that was the funniest thing, too. It's like, you realize that's so much more work, right? She's like, no, you just kind of throw it together. And I was like, Ugh. and then it's like managing people. I'd be like, I'd be there for a while and I have to deal with like a bunch of randos. Like, I don't know if I want to do that. And she's like, no, you should do that. <laughs> Ooh, maybe she wants you to make friends. That might be the issue. I'm just going to meet on people online the old fashioned way. <laughs> yeah. I think that is one of the toughest parts of moving to San Antonio, especially during COVID mm-hmm. was like, it was hard to make friends. It would, it's hard to make friends when you move in general and then add on the layer of like COVID. We are not supposed to be going out. And now we're like two years in so now, like, we're kind of stuck in the habits that we have. Yeah. So it's been, we, I mean, we've made friends and stuff like that, but it's definitely been tougher to make friends. And I would say, like, going to D.C., D.C., I found finding friends and making friends, like, incredibly easy. Um, it was also much, like, it was, it was less, 
risky of finding like a problematic friend <laughs> in a place like EC yeah. that isn't. Uh, so. <laughs> One of the game stores I went to, like right outside, there's a bar next to it. So I kept seeing people coming out of the bar when I first drove in, and there's these rugged men. And I'm like, "This is a game store." <laughs> and just, just, I walk in, and none of them are in there. And I'm like, "I am so confused. What's going on?" I just realized <laughs> it later when I I saw the specials, drinks. I'm like, "They sell drinks at this game store?" No, no, no. They're confusing the signs wrong. <laughs> it's so close, packed together. That's pretty cool, though, if they did. Yeah, hey, it'd be cool if it did, though. <laughs> I would, it'd be cool if it did. I went to, yeah, I went to Austin. Was it? No, it was Dallas a while back for my birthday. And uh, cause my sister's in the DFW area. <laughs> and uh, we went to this game bar. And it's like a gaming bar, like a, almost like a Japanese style. Um, I can't remember what they're called, but like PC lounge and game place. But they also did like really nice drinks and you could get like burgers and fries and all sorts of like various snack foods and stuff like that. It was like, but also you're sitting at a table and there's like a Wii connected to a, or not a Wii, but a uh, switch, a Nintendo switch connected to a TV right in front of you. It was intensely cool. I wish that was an experience I could have <laughs> anywhere else besides driving up to oh, Dallas, yeah. but I haven't found one. In, so much traffic. In, in San Antonio. <laughs> so much traffic. Yeah. Well, to be fair, that part okay, of Dallas sorry, is very... Land, uh, listen, man. listen. <laughs> this is in Frisco, because I'm assuming you went to Nirvana, which was right next to, like, a stadium. Maybe. Maybe. It's entirely possible. It's a lot. Listen, I'm going to assume it's... I love I love Nirvana. It's very overpriced food, and it's not great food, which I... That's... Listen, I, I need some food. Uh, <laughs> and then I think it's a good... It's an interesting idea... It's an interesting take. I do stress like when I'm there because we're sitting there playing video games and we're taking up real estate. So the like customer <laughs> service part of my brain is like, oh shit, like this, this wait staff person is like, are they going to be mad if we sit here and play, but we don't order more food or more drinks or, or anything else? Mm-hmm. Like, so part of me is like, yeah, I love it. But the other part of me is like, ugh. I hate the social social anxiety part of it. That's why you go to the cider cave. It'd be weird, yeah. And just drink and play the the pinball machine all day, and be bad at the pinball machine because you're getting drunker and drunker. <laughs> <laughs> That's true. I do miss that part of Lubbock. Like living in a smaller town, like it mm-hmm. felt like it was easier to make friends because. But I don't, maybe it wasn't, and like maybe our you just experience, went to college there. <laughs> I, that's what I was saying. Like maybe the people that we we grew up with and and still the school setting, it was just easier. So like, you know, going to somewhere like the game stores in Lubbock, I, I went to an undergrad because I had friends that went there. So it wasn't like I was a stranger coming into the store after I graduated. I still feel mm-hmm. comfortable in a. And I have I have yet to find that place for me here either, mm-hmm. you know, with COVID and trying not to freak out whenever you're just in public with new people and you're like, hey, do you want to play with me? It's impersonal. <laughs> yeah. The social currency of doing that is so much more expensive than it was before when you had already learned how to do those things. And when you locked down for like two years, you're just like, how do I interact again? <laughs> Yeah, that's definitely a thing. I think that happened to everybody. 
like how how does social interaction work anymore and then you also gotta like i know for me i think i got weirder over covid like i got more like <laughs> hell yeah I, I don't know maybe it could be just self-reflection like i've had a lot more time by myself and i've gotten like more like deeper into hobbies that maybe other people would think is a little strange like i'm super into dungeons and dragons i created a tiktok for it like some people would think look think look at that as like the highest tier of nerd behavior right, right, right. and to some degree i think they are correct so and then like everything i talk about now a lot of my social life and everything else is talking about dragons. <laughs> so it's like everything kind of like bends to that direction yes and it's only gotten worse over <laughs> i felt that too because i think uh my ex told me like i've never seen anybody more into board games than you ever and i'm like Hell yeah, I'm fucking winning at this game. <laughs> oh my. And, I don't see the problem. Yeah, it is a problem. Like, when people bring up, hey, have you heard of Dungeons and Dragons? My fucking eyes light up. I've never, like, more than I have seen in days, just like, yes, what do you want to talk about? I am here for it. I had that happen in multiple weddings. <laughs> it is just, like, the thing oh, yeah. I talk about. I'm like, I gotta that, tone it down just a little bit. I've been drinking a little too that much. That happens. <laughs> all the time so i went to my friends very recently um it was like november they had a wedding in south africa like her family's from south africa so they had a wedding in south africa and i was going there we were at this dinner and i heard somebody like i started like just somebody said something about dungeons and dragons and i was like oh yeah like i played it and then like a handful of other people kind of like drifted over <laughs> and they sat down and said we heard you say dungeons and dragons and then like a couple other people came by and then like my wife who just likes to kind of drop it occasionally it's like oh yeah you know ryan's really into it he's got like <laughs> 90,000 followers on TikTok. <laughs> I'm like, oh no. And they're like, wait, which one are you? And I was like, oh, you've probably seen my stuff. <laughs> really trying to hide that I'm like, which which account I do. Yeah, it's and then like that becomes a whole like my but the funny thing is my wife will do that, but also in the same breath, like Roll High's like, oh no, all we're gonna talk about for the next like two hours is Dungeons and Dragons or like tabletop RPGs or whatever. Um, so it's it's a double-edged sword. I think she likes to drop that card. It's like, oh, you know, I'm very proud of yeah, him. Yeah, yeah. Like, oh, no, what have I done? Like, <laughs> we're going to be talking about this all like, night, aren't we? <laughs> uh, that's awesome. All right, we've hit the hour mark. Uh, any last questions, Alex? All righty, then. Well, Ryan, it, it's it's been a pleasure. If you see me in a really messed up Nissan Altima whatever it was that's me looking for a game uh in san antonio <laughs> um but yeah i'll keep a mental note <laughs> yeah thank you so much thank you so much for having me on this was a lot of fun of course uh where can they find you you can find me on basically any social media platform as some variation of either run underscore dmg or dmg underscore run i'm on facebook twitter instagram tiktok yeah, I, I don't have a Twitch or anything like that. I don't, I don't stream. But yeah, I'm, I'm all those places. I also have a podcast called Dice Populi. Um, we're on all the major pod catchers. Um, and it's pretty interesting. I think it's pretty good. I play a, uh, I play a chaotic, evil, slightly cannibalistic necromancer uh, who just wants to make friends. It's all played for laughs. Nice, <laughs> nice, nice. He's, he's, it's it's my own experiment on playing a chaotic evil character and trying to make them lovable. And from what I've been told, it does work. <laughs> like you do root for him, even though you hate what he's doing. So 
yeah, you can find me all sorts of places. Oh yeah. That's the 2020 motto I'm going to bring into my life. Like we don't like what he's doing, but we're sure going to root for him. (laughs) Maybe not, but thank you, dear listener for joining us on another episode. Uh, If you enjoy our podcast and all of our shenanigans, please like subscribe, go share our podcast to all of your friends, family, enemies, dog walkers, dog catchers, I don't random men walking down the street with a baseball bat, which is definitely not something I saw this week at all. We don't ask questions anymore in our life. Um, if you absolutely did enjoy this, uh, please also write five stars on any of those platforms. Um, if you did not like this, you never have to listen to another episode again, but still write five stars because you listened to one episode and we really weren't that bad. So anything less than five stars, you're just being an asshole. If this is just not enough for you, you can also join us on any of our social medias at Dungeon and Degrees. Um, we are on TikTok, Twitter, Instagram. Uh, we are also streaming on Twitch. So you can go check out Adrian playing games over there. Um, once again, if you, that, that's not enough, you can join our Discord, which our Discord is linked in the show notes. And you know what? If those hard-earned dollars are still just burning a a hole in your pocket, you can mosey on down to our Patreon at patreon.com backslash dungeons and degrees. You get ad-free, you get shenanigans from Adrian and me, you get all the stuff you ever want with a Patreon with just a low $5 pledge to help create and save the arts. Do it. It'll be great. If not, just share us. Like, listen. What's going to happen? All right. Well, thank you so Love much. For, well, thank you so much for listening. My name's Adrian. And I'm Alex. And I'm Ryan. Go have some fun. Ta-da! Beep.